Thank God it's free range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now.
101.5 UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Lauza, kicking things off for us tonight. New track from Helado Negro. That is from the forthcoming album, Far In, which will be out, I believe, October. Uh, but that's Gemini and Leo, and it is, of course, Leo season. I uh, got a busy show for you tonight, lots of new music, but uh, more importantly, a, a big conversation with Big McEnroe. Uh, Rod Bailey, formerly known as McEnroe, releasing a new album called Brandon today. Uh, I spoke to him earlier this week, and uh, we'll play a couple tracks from it in a bit. But before we get to that, Quantic and Nidia Gungora with their latest collaboration. It's called Macumba de Marea.
right. Well, Rod Bailey, uh, formerly known as McEnroe, now known as Big McEnroe, releasing the new album, Brandon, and he joins us to talk about it. I guess, first of all, does the existence of Big McEnroe suggest the existence of Lil McEnroe now? Maybe. Maybe I got a couple of Lil McEnroe's here at the lab. We'll see. I've got one Lil McEnroe who's um, learning how to play play on a sampler on the iPad and making some really wild stuff, so... It's quite possible. <laughs> the, the, this is this is coming down the the pike. What, was there a, like particular reason to to add the big to the moniker? Yes, because there is a Spanish band called McEnroe. Oh, um, that started up around two thousand five. So I predate them because I started in ninety eight as McEnroe. But if you go on iTunes, depending on where you are, it's just very confusing, and they they also don't use capital letters and. They don't have exactly the same um, graphic style as I do, but it's confusing enough. And I was just, just didn't have the energy to continue to try to coexist. It just seems really annoying, you know, and this it's, I'm annoyed that they continue to operate as McEnroe because clearly, you know, I'm, I've been releasing music for 20 years and it's on there and it's easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on which territory, you know, like in mostly in the U S and Canada, I would have, better um presence you know, like, yeah exactly so anyway but then i just thought what i don't even have the energy for this right now it's just as easy you know my social media is big mac and Rose, so it's just as easy to just switch it right moving forward so that it's really easy to find me um uh, because it's all about streaming now right so true enough uh so this record uh, I'm, I'm curious is this like kind of a pandemic project like did this start before covid or is this something because i know like my parents cleaned up a bunch of stuff and like gave me papers and and things like that from when i was a kid over this past year and a half because they were like you know stuck in their home and and starting to tidy up or or was you know brandon something that was being birthed long long before you know march of last year it was it was long before it was actually written and recorded i think i finished recording it just as the pandemic started so i've been sitting on it for a while okay uh but I had written it entirely before, written and demoed it before the pandemic entirely and was pretty much, um, you know, and I just sort of sat on it, not sure what to do with it and was working on other things. And as the pandemic got going, I did some podcasting and, you know, got working on some other things, but finally was like, I should put this thing out. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I, I think I started, I have my folders on my, uh, computer and it says McEnroe 2016 so that's when I started oh boy working okay on the project so what what sent down the, sent you down the road of like nostalgia and, and looking at this period in your in your life um I don't know it was just um you know I've always been uh in the back of my mind had this nostalgic love for Brandon despite the fact that when you confront reality like when you go there it's not really a great place to visit <laughs> I don't have a lot of ties to Brandon And yet just in my mind, it's just been idealized over the years. And uh, I just kind of wanted to get that out and get the ideal portion of it and the, and sort of what I was feeling out. And, you know, the best way for me to do that is to write raps uh, because that's, you know, what I've been doing for a while. So that's what ended up happening. It was just, how can I, um, how can I kind of document all these memories and stories to, uh, to, to remember, you know, and, and it ended up, being a, a musical project like a rap project so 
certainly like the writing style is less it's it's very mellow and just sort of trying to tell these stories so what i did was um i actually just wanted to force myself to write and when i'm at home it's really hard with all the things going on i have a family and all the you know the things and the work and this so i would actually rent a rehearsal space just the smallest one they would have it like a jam space and go in there and write two songs once a week and so for about six or eight weeks maybe longer, I was um, just going to a jam space and forced myself to write these songs. Now, the, the record is kind of presented sequentially, right? Like like you, you start 87 and, and, you know, work your way through to, to 92. But like, yes. is that the way in which things were written? Like, did you kind of like map out, okay, these things happened to me and then write? Or did you just kind of start like spilling stuff out in that jam space and then sifting through it afterwards? It was a little more spilling and, and sifting, yeah. I kind of had like, you know, maybe 30 beats set aside and then um, would, you know, had a few topics in mind, but sometimes I would just get into the jam space, turn up the music really loud and just start to, um, you know, see see what would happen and write a line or two and then all of a sudden get an idea. Like like most of my writing, it's, it's usually, um, you know, is more of a stream of consciousness and then you go back and fix it as opposed to mapping things out. So... Uh, so yeah, it was definitely more just what, what do I have? You know, what are the ideas I had? I'd have like little scraps of ideas or else what was I feeling and remembering at that time? And then I think as it got to be 70 or 80% written, then it was like, okay, well, where are the holes and, uh, what else, you know, what else do I want to say or what am I missing? Um, that would come in next. So what, what were you missing when you kind of started to address what holes there were? Uh, good question. I'd have to really review. Um, you know, it was like, I, I certainly, you know, like a part, one of the themes in this is, is friendship. So one of the early, the early songs I wrote were like a song about Tyler, DJ Honeycutt, because he was so important, you know, such a good friend all those years and just so important to what my identity became. And then Patrick, who was Pip's kid, you know, them being my closest friends through high school just had such a huge, um, you know, impact on that. So those were probably written pretty early. And then I would probably write some of the relationship stuff because, you know, I think what I do remember it's or how I remember these, you know, you know, my first girlfriend getting dumped, my second girlfriend getting dumped, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, putting all those together and then, and then filling in some of the, some of them were written just based on a beat. Like there's a song about, you know, the Gulf war and uh, it's a bit of a departure, just sort of my first memories of like political television which was really based on what I was feeling from the beat that I was playing and where I could take it. You know what I mean? Um, and then just sort of trying to tie it all together. I think at the end, I knew I had to write about leaving. So that was probably near the end writing a song. There's a song called 92 Brandon, the planet, which is basically about packing up my Honda Accord and moving to Winnipeg and living the Winnipeg life. Um, right. You know, my, my first year of university. You mentioned you had about 30 beats and, you know, trying to kind of like marry some of that stuff with the, the lyrics that you were writing. It does seem like some of those beats have echoes of some of the music that you reference within like yes. those times, right? Like at that time period, was that like a conscious thing or had you kind of just started kind of making beats with like, you know, like some Depeche Mode synths or, you know, like some like new wave kind of vibes to it? Like, was it like, that intentional. That was a that was a this that was intentional in the sec. So how I write and how I mostly produce with the rappers I work with 
is a, is I'll make basic beats. So I'll have folders and folders of these beats that I make, you know, MP3s of these beats. And they're basically loops or very, you know, they're not super fleshed out. So it'll be kind of like loops and just simple, basically like 30 to 40% of what you would hear in the final beat. You okay. know, the drums, the first, maybe one or two sets of drums, something happening, the main kind of loop and probably not much else. And so that's usually what I would write to. And then, and, and that's the case with, you know, working with Pip's Kid, working with Bazooka Joe, Yai, all the guys that I work with, that's basically, they get sent a beat, which is, you know, uh, a more than a loop. And especially these days, my production is kind of more complex, but it's not nearly finished. And so in this case, when I had all these beats, you know, those beats could have ended up with, you know, like some of these beats uh, were passed on by other rappers. In fact, like there's a song on, um, there's a song on Brandon that has a loop that was sent to Cadence Weapon and he sent me a demo, but he didn't end up using the the song for his record. Mm. So that kind of thing, right? And then once I had these songs written and it was like, well, I'm obviously talking about all these musical influences and things like that. Like specifically, for example, there's a song about about The Cure and about like loving a girl who loved The Cure. So I would I began to love The Cure to try and win her over. Mm -hmm. And so for that song, for example, it was a really basic beat that I wrote to um, and then once I knew what the song was about and how it was shaping up, I, I took the instrumentalists, the instrumentals to an, another level, knowing that I was trying to show these influences. And especially um, with that particular song, I have a friend, his name's Alvaro Rojas, really good guitarist. And so he came over and I'm like, I want to sound like The Cure. I want, you know, channel your kind of echoey 80s guitar vibe. And he played the guitar solo on that knowing that the song was completely written and that's what we wanted so a lot of the of the other stuff there is also kind of like as i knew what these songs were i add another layer of production so that's why partly why these things take so long it's like you make a batch of beats then you write for like months and then for year almost years i'm just playing and adding elements whether it's you know live instruments that i play whether it's my friend alvaro or whether it's, um, you know, more sampling, things like that, add all these layers. And so one challenge with this record is that there's a lot going on musically with this mm -hmm. record, but then I wanted to keep these songs short. So I had to actually cut some of the things that I'd added and shorten these songs because you don't want to just throw the kitchen sink at someone. You want something, you want it to progress. Like if you have like nine or 10 interesting things you want to happen in a song, well, you can't really introduce them in two minutes you need four right so i had to really you know try to balance uh how rich i wanted the production to be which i wanted because i want a nice rich sound for this particular record um you know to, i think partly to offset that i'm not really that complex with the lyrics like the the lyrics are pretty straightforward so i wanted the production to be quite complex but at the same time i'm trying to do two minute songs for the most part the average song length is only two minutes or two and a half minutes what what was the impetus for keeping those songs short? Um, well, obviously, I had a lot of stories to tell. You know, there's 22 tracks, so yeah. you can't tell 22 tracks and and make it. You know, and also, the writing process is like, okay, here's a song about getting dumped. I don't need to write two or three verses. It's just like, met the girl. You know, went well for a couple of weeks, and then it was over. Like that's kind of the story. So I just tried to keep them quick and moving. And really, I've always wanted to do a an album. You know, I mean, Paul's Boutique has always been a big influence with that last B-Boy Booyah bass. And I always had the goal 
to do like just I want to do an album with just short short songs and I always you know my punk rock days short songs um what's a dead Kennedy song I like short songs just really 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 always been something I'd work towards and I this is me trying I don't think I nailed it they're not as short as I want them to be it's just that it's that that struggle it's like well this beat is too good to just stop uh you know or, or to have no intro like it's really hard with my production style to just like have an in and out really really quick so that this is me struggling with that but but that was really always um as I mapped out this song there's only I think two songs that have more than one verse yeah you mentioned that the the beats you make you know the initially it's just like you know 30 40 second kind of idea or you know bass and to me it seems like it's like almost like like in an unframed house it's like the studs and then you're like putting on the lyrics and putting up the drywall and then deciding like what color to paint and you know what pictures to hang on the wall and there could be a point at which you're just doing too much to it yes and it does it does come across as like a a real kind of homage to like that late 80s early 90s like interstitials on hip-hop records and like really short skate punk albums that are like you know 20 minutes in total so, yeah. so I, I get the I get the vibe, and and certainly that's like the era that you're you're encapsulating. Um, you, you do the, I mean, you've you've always been a revelatory writer, right? Like you're not you know shy about kind of like writing about your own life. But was there any challenge to you know, especially like the the girl one through five, writing about some of that stuff? Uh, not really a challenge. It was really fun to write. It was just like you know, how much do I like, you know, I think it's girl five where it's like, you know, I'm talking about a pregnancy scare, you mm-hmm. know, it's pretty, uh, and it's true, hundred percent true. But, you know, I think that I, I just was kind of like trying to write, a, even though I know my audience isn't probably going to be a young audience, it, it, it tends to more be an audience my age that are more into the nostalgia aspect. But I always thought, you know, at, when I was younger, listening to punk rock and things like that, it's like, when you listen to to, uh, to bands like Descendants or Big Drill Car, and they and they would sing about girls breaking up with them and you know feeling sad and things like that, but in a in an uplifting and like solidarity type of way. And I always thought that that was missing from hip hop. Or I mean, it's not completely missing. There's like Passing Me By by the Far Side, and there are notable exceptions. But it's like you know, I always that was certainly a theme I wanted to hit was like writing song, writing rap songs about relationships being difficult girls you know being an unknown entity and and being really hard i think is is something that people can learn and relate to and if young people listen to this they could take something from it although i'm not counting on it but (laughs) you know what i mean right uh so that was a really an influence that i was going for so it was like that honesty and just that relatability of like here's someone who you know, is doing good things and is a musician and and all that kind of stuff. But they're telling the truth about how hard it can be, especially in high school. And, you know, I think high school kids could could hear that and, and maybe get something from it. I know my kids could, you know, as they head into that, into that age, if I could get them to listen. Right. I mean, it's your story from years ago, but it's a universal story that remains like recurrently Absolutely. apt. Um, you mentioned that, you know, there's 22 tracks on here. Is there anything that didn't make the cut? Like, were there tracks you abandoned or stories you didn't tell? Uh, there's a track that I, there was 23. There was a girl six track, Uh um, which I'll probably drop somewhere because it is a fully, it was a fully finished track. 
Um, and it basically tells the story of going back to Brandon um, in 93. In 93, uh, after my first year of university, I went back to Brandon to work and, and hooked up with this other girl. <clears throat> and basically, I was, so, I was so bored in Brandon. It was just so hard to go back to Brandon for the summer. And I was like, Tyler, I think, was working some full-time job or, or like working nights or something. And Pat wasn't around. It was like, all I was doing was working. I had nothing to do. And I met this girl and it felt like she saved my life that summer, like made that summer worth living. But I went back to university for second year and broke up with her almost immediately just because I got back into the Winnipeg swing of things. Mm -hmm. So I had that, but it was kind of like a couple people heard the record and was like, had some notes. And um, I think it was Nigel who's doing the Winnipeg hip hop book. I, I sent it to him and he just thought it was kind of, uh, he sent me like a really thoughtful, here's what I think about the record, you know? Mm -hmm. And he gave me, you know, he gave me the time, gave me some of his time to kind of, you know, as an outside perspective. And he was like, it just feels like you've already been here and this doesn't really add anything. And, the, and having the last track about Farm Fresh and, and moving on seems like a good way to end it. And I thought, I can't really argue with that. So, right. Now, I mean, you mentioned that it's like you've, you've been sitting on this record for a while. In the interim, you've been in the lead up to the actual release, been releasing a, a podcast on UGS Mag. Um, did that idea come about kind of like over the, over the last year and like, yeah, this, this rollout, you know, giving a, a few tracks at a time and then talking to people from the past. Yes. Um, cause I did a podcast last year, which was just gen generic peanuts and corn. So we'd have, you know, I would just focus on an artist per, per, um, episode. I think we did like 27 episodes. It was a lot of fun, but a ton of work. And I was, and so I thought, taking that and what I learned from that and rolling out this podcast for brand. Cause I was always struggling. Like this is a lot of record. I just felt like, you know, 22 tracks, like we're not in an era of where people just listen to albums and I've made an album, you know, I don't have a lot of singles. It's, you know, I've obviously released singles because that's the strategy, but it's like, these aren't single singles. A lot of these songs don't have hooks. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it felt like either I was going to release this album in like chunks, like they're, they're individual tracks rather than singles. As you there are individual them. tracks and it's like a tapestry. Yeah. So it's like, you know, do I either I would re release the record in like EPs and then marry it all together at the end or I thought well, this podcasting is really fun. So then I was going to do a podcast and decided to do that. And at first I was kind of just going to have the podcast focusing on the record. But then it was like, well, why don't I talk to so-and-so and so-and-so? And it turned out that those conversations for me were so fun to have. And then, you know, they're never short. You, you can't talk to someone who you, you spend a lot of time with, but haven't talked to with any meaning in over 20 years. It's hard to have a quick conversation. So it ended up that really those conversations are what the podcast is about. And then we sprinkled in some music. So I think it's got the interest for the record, at least got some reaction and people listening to it in a different way. And there'll be some familiarity when they go back and listen to the record. Well, and I think it adds a lot of context to the record, right? Because this is, I mean, it's an autobiographical record of a, of a certain period of time. And then you're kind of filling out some of the, the players that would have been part of your scene and, and, yeah, you know, in, involved in, you know, like the skate punk side of things and the music store side of things and school. And, and so I think it, it actually adds a lot of interesting context to stuff. Was there anything conversation wise coming out of that that you know maybe prompted you to want to like do part two like 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 there was stuff like oh man i didn't explore this in the record or 
not as much. I think I've covered it and yeah. uh, I, f- I feel like I've covered it, but I do feel like the record would be different if I had done it in reverse and had the interviews first. Mm. Um, you know, I was just trying to figure out how to do it, but certainly some things in the way people's perspective, some of the conversations really changed, you know, like uh, especially like, obviously when you talk to Tyler, you talk to Pat. I mean, I talk to them all the time wasn't huge revelations in those, but talking to some of the people that I hadn't talked to so long and about their memories of, of things. And also a lot of the correspondence leading up to the actual conversation, you know, we would go back and forth on messenger or Instagram or whatever, and have these long conversations with like Allison and with Ken Jaworski and some of the people and just brought up so many interesting things and other memories that it's like, if I had done this all years ago, I might've written this record differently and I didn't and it's fine, but it was, it was, it was really revealing like some of the, their perspectives on what I was doing and who I was even some of that kind of stuff, which I didn't really get into live on the air per se, but mm. just those conversations really were really um, interesting as well. But, but certainly I don't think there's any room for a part two. I think if there was a part two, it would be about more about the golden era of Winnipeg to me, which is, once I was there from 92 until like, you know, n- until I moved in 2000, especially those first years with like some of the great stuff that was going on through skate and um, us playing music. And, you know, that is another, that's the other part of my life that I probably would want to document somehow. So maybe there's something there. Well, maybe that's a podcast series then, right? Like that you uh, yeah, explore that through conversation well, the, and then maybe the that podcast that, series births the record afterwards. Like, Yeah, it. maybe. Yeah. I mean, certainly I think there's a ton of interest in that, especially on the Winnipeg side. And I guess the other thing is, is that, you know, early on in these podcasts, we talked about this skate park called Spine and Grind, which to me almost deserves a documentary or something because it's such an insane, like we only kind of touched on it in the podcast because it's not super relevant, but they built this state-of-the-art skate park in like 1989 or whatever it was in Brandon, you know, the biggest in Canada biggest in North America, maybe like just a total unicorn, strange event, a mistake business-wise, but really an, an amazing sort of thing that almost needs more exploration. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of, that's kind of in the back of my mind of maybe something could, could come of that because an oral history or something, because the story's there, if you're into, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, um, I think it could be really interesting. For sure. Um, so, the the album is released as a friday uh the the last podcast is done is there like kind of like a postscript for brandon do you have like plans beyond this or is it like kind of on to the next thing for you i think right now i'm thinking about the next thing because we do have um the plan i well my plan my plans are to try and do four of these fun little records this year which i've done two of them so far not not of not of the size and scope of Brandon, but like these like just sort of, you know, whether it's a beat tape or whatever it is, and then um, and then I certainly have the Bazooka Joe album coming out mm-hmm. in a couple of months, and then the Pip Skid record where you know he's recording it right now, and I'm hoping to get it mixed and mastered by the end of August. So uh, right now that's kind of where I'm at with that, and um, you know, it's like I always would like to do more visual things. It's just so hard, you know, with with a record like Brandon. It's like I live in Vancouver. I don't live in Brandon or anywhere near there. Can't even travel there right now or, um, with my schedule. I would love to go to Brandon and, and do some more 
to support the record with, you know, some little video clips or something, um, some kind of performance on the street corner or something. I just, if I had that kind of freedom, I'd love to do a little more, but at least I hope to, to do some live um, recording stuff and we can put that out and weave some of the Brandon catalog, you know, with my guitar friend into some of my older stuff so that it can kind of, you know, become part of my repertoire. Well, sadly, I don't think you can do an in-store at the record baron because it's, I think, a Joe Beavers or something like that now. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, no in-stores at the record baron, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, Rod, I want to get you to pick, well, I'll, you know, since there's 22 tracks and they're all brief, if you can pick two tracks off of the, uh, the record that we can play for listeners, and if you have a reason why you're picking those two in particular, I'd love to hear it. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, I mentioned the song, um, I think it's 90 The Cure. Um, I always forget that the problem with this is, uh, I mean, um, you know, I like write these songs and then at the very end, I uh, decide what to call them. So I don't really live with the song titles, but anyway, mm -hmm. there's a song called the cure. There's Girl a great too. video for it that I've got to plug, um, where I'm dressed as Robert Smith and it's super fascination street editing and all this kind of stuff. So you can play that song and people can check out the video on YouTube. It's just big Mac and row. The cure comes up. I'll, I'll uh, link to the video in the show that. notes for the show that'd be awesome because I'm really proud of the video and a lot of great people came out and um, volunteered to put it together. And I had a great hair and makeup person came, made me look as much like Robert Smith as I could. Um, and what else? Uh, how about um, uh, the song called that weekend? I really like the synth and how the, um, you know, because it's a little bit longer, it's got like a nice outro and it's, it sort of encapsulates the struggle instrumentally. I could do so much more with that beat, but it's a short song and trying to keep it, you know, cohesive and not too much. So maybe those songs, unless you have a, something you prefer, I'm fine let's, either way. Let's do it. I always like the artist's choice because uh, it's, it's, it kind of provides a bit of a, a glimpse at kind of your thoughts right now on what, what you're thinking about the record. Um, so the album is called Brandon. The, uh, the new moniker is Big McEnroe out uh, through Peanuts yep. and Corn. Uh, Rod, thanks very much for taking some time to talk about the record. Man, I appreciate you having me. She didn't want a boyfriend unless his name was Robert Smith. That made me want him more, so I borrowed all her compact discs. Three imaginary boys, up to not including Wish. Too much of the cure can really pull you into the abyss. This girl was really shy, don't think she gave a guy a kiss. All the way through high school, plus her folks were really strict. If there was a social, 50-50 she'd attend. I'd always ask her out, said she only liked me as a friend. And she meant it, so we hung out just as friends but i thought i loved her unrequited love and i'm depressed doesn't help i'm listening to fascination street on repeat in my disc man obsession isn't sweet for a kid in grade 10 listening to joy division of the fish in the sea they said i wouldn't listen i was noble in my mission and i wanted folks to know means of expression dressing black head to toe i showed up to the dance with my morrissey pompadour asked the music man to play something by the cure Close to me comes on the gym floor Clears after all that Turns out my girl's not here Not here
no longer words to live by, but just words to a song. I really thought I loved her, but I had to move on. Take disintegration out and put it on pause. I said I'd always love her, but I guess I was wrong. No longer words to live by, but just words to a song. Brandon wishes to announce that the five-day refuse cycle will move forward two days. Here we go, live from the Shoppers Mall on KX96. Full tank, stone roses in the tape deck, no bank, no poses so we break west. On a Friday afternoon in June, we left kneeling in the rear view, totally in tune. Me and this girl who played it on again, off again, now in year two. She was a dancer with a pixie cut hairdo, big beauty eyes that could see right through you, totally confuse you. We had the AC going, but the air was warm, two rebel rebels who didn't dare conform. In the town of Brandon, where all the dads were born and no one ever leaves We had to smash the norm, which meant dressing up like punk rock hopefuls Pissing off the jocks outside of the socials This one at Danceland, where all of the folks go Were we a couple? Well, I privately hope so We're on Highway 10, passing Minnedosa I think that time is friends, but I'm not really over She drives me round the bend like a Chevy Nova A corny metaphor, but effort, I'm trying to close the deal She's into likes, but the truth proved elusive. Love the pursuit, but not when it's exclusive. Once I made the pledge, guess it brought us to the edge. Better off friends when somebody tends to hedge their bets. But then the tension was magical. Remember that weekend and nothing even happened, though. The attraction, the freedom, the season. I think back fondly and it goes beyond reason.
Odonis Odonis with a new single called Salesman. Uh, the A side to a, a two sider Salesman and Get Out. Uh, before that, Big McEnroe with uh, Rod's choices of 90 That Weekend Girl 3 and 90 The Cure, both from Brandon out today on Peanuts and Corn Records. Uh, I'm going to close with a, a few new tracks. Jordan Racke, the New Zealander, with a new single called Send My Love from the forthcoming album, What We Call Life. A single from Astro Color. Now, this is a band I'm not really familiar with, but they collaborated with an artist I love, Keely Thomas, who had one of my favorite songs of last year. Uh, she guest vocals on the song Paradise. And then from the forthcoming album, The Storm, it's the title track from Dory Freeman. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. These words were heavier away from home. I found my peace alone. Besides, I see you and me all the time For now at least it's mine I say I did my best to stay afloat It felt impossible My way can paint this picture differently I'll take it as it Not too hard to be alone 